big decisions, paths followed, choices made. This is Connections, conversations about life and work. I'm your host, Jim Allen. Lisa Kelly works for the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much, Jim. So I haven't seen you in a long time. No, that's Um, very true. So we're recording this on November 3rd. Okay, follow along carefully. All right. Does the date November 4th, 2006 mean anything to you? Gosh, can I even remember back that long? No, So that's the last time I saw you. That's the last time we were in the same room together. It was a communique reunion. Yes. And I have pictures. Oh. So um, uh, do you remember that night? Yes, I do remember that night. I don't. So that, that's the difference between you and me right away. It's just going to be a lot of tension. Uh, so what do you do at the Ontario uh, Chamber of Commerce? Well, I'm a programs manager. So I manage programs. It's pretty um, basic. But I work in particular on a program called the Discoverability Network. Right. And it connects businesses in our chamber. We represent 60,000 businesses, 155 local chambers of commerce and boards of trade. And we connect them to people with disabilities to fulfill labor market needs. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that later. So I'm I'm kind of interested uh, just how you got there. So I'm going to go yep, hit back. the rewind button. So communicates where we met, and how would you? I mean, how would you even describe what that company was? I, it's a live event company. I was and a lot marketing more, company. Yeah, or? corporate communications. Corporate I thought. Communications. Yeah, that nice would be the. General. Yeah, and we kind of did a bit of everything, didn't and we? You, and you were account manager. I was an account manager. And and that was a long time ago. And uh, uh, that was actually my last full-time job, believe it or not. I think it was mine too. So, but you... No, uh, I went after that to PJ Spratt. Okay. Which was a consulting firm, an educational consulting firm. Okay. And then I remember, the last time I re- was really paid attention to you... <laughs> <laughs> Which is a long time ago. But you were at Coed Communications, and you were a partner there, right? Yes. yes for a long, but a long time. For like 25 years. 25 years longer than I thought. So, yeah. um, and I know your, your former partner, I guess. Um, uh, tell me what, what, just tell me what Coed did. Sure. So it was uh, with David Ben, another right. Communique yes. semi-alumni. Yes. Um, and we started a company that basically created curriculum for grades K to 12 that was funded independently, coming up with new, you know, um, ways to present materials. So if you think about it, it might take somebody four years to write a textbook in the school system. We could turn something around in six months to a year. So if I recall the idea there, but you got corporate sponsors. Corporate and nonprofit. So one of our biggest clients was the Candace History Society. Right. And we did a Governor General's Award for teaching history. Okay. We did a lot of work with the Olympics, the Olympic Committee on uh, Olympic educational values. Unilever was a big one on ecological footprinting. We had some financial literacy pieces. So all over. So, so you had a good thing going. I did. So why did you leave? Or why did that end? Did you guys have a big fight or something? No. I can't believe that because I know. No, David. Nobody could argue with David on this planet. Like David's the most wonderful. I don't think guy. he's ever been in a bad mood. No, he has not. Well, he has <laughs> after hitting the links. Yeah, after hitting the links and maybe golfing. having a yeah a bad game. But um, I moved to England. I followed my husband, trailing spouse, to England. Oh, okay. And I worked remotely. 
But it kind of changed the way we did business. And it was just at the beginning of the internet, which is so long ago That's when really you think about it. Fun. I know, it really is. Right. I was dialing up, you know, to, to contact him back in uh, Canada. But I'd fly back and forth, but our business model started to change. And more and more we had people saying, the sponsors saying, we want to do digital products. And I'm a kind of still a firm believer that that's not actually how people learn. It's very right. hard to actually have a truly interactive experience just interacting with a computer. I think COVID's shown that to us all. Right. And certainly we didn't have the technology or the depth of tools that we have now. And I hated it. I hated, you know, taking these amazing programs and just trying to create a website that a kid's going to go right. look at. Right. You don't learn that way. So, um, that was early, as you say, early internet. So early. Yeah. So you're limited in some ways. Yeah. We struggled through that a bit. And I, I also think now you'd be competing against like huge purveyors of content that we could never as a small company have competed against. Right. So, um, slowly, you know, weaned myself off that and then decided to go back, followed my husband to America. Right. We continued, but when I came back to Canada, I decided to recreate myself. Okay. And went back to college. So I've noticed that you've gone back a lot, several times. <laughs> so you uh, yeah. okay? So you came back to Canada, and and you've been back to school. You went to George Brown College yep. and got a diploma in career and work counseling. Yep. And then, uh, what's the Vocational Rehabilitation Association? You went there. So well. yeah, that's a organization that's helping people return to the workplace. Right. So people I worked with, uh, people on Ontario Works, right. and so people on you know what would have been formerly called welfare for some of our audience if you're older, and I worked with people who had been injured on the job, and had to transition to a brand new career. So WSIB clients. So Lisa has held positions in Canadian uh, with Canadian Business Sensibility. Yeah, that was a great job. Ontario Disability Network Canada. Yep. And Rehabilitation Network Canada. I'm detecting a theme here. There's a lot of word <laughs> ability or disability pops up a lot. That's right. Um, so I guess that sort of leads up to where where you are now. So you've gone back to school quite a bit. Yeah. Just to, to sharpen your skill set, I guess, and, and to learn, learn. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's the whole imposter syndrome. I think a lot of women have that. I think a lot or of people. people that have barriers have that. So okay. I do have a disability. I've had it for over uh, 40 years, but never really spoke about it. And so it's an invisible disability. It is an invisible disability. So when I went back to become a career counselor, I just ended up by happenstance, working with people with disabilities. And, you know, as I was coaching them and helping them to find work, transition to new things that they might need to do, I started thinking, well, why am I not being authentic about my own experiences? So I slowly, I think it took about five years before I actually disclosed that I had a disability. And it helped me connect to people. And it also, I think, you know, at my age, I'm relatively successful. Um, if I can't talk about this, who's going to? Right. So what is your disability then? Oh, what a rude question. Is it? Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you would say. What's the Lisa, correct way? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's like uh, anything. And you just say, Lisa, what's your experience with disability or of disability? So it's all about language. It is. I, I actually train a lot about language. Yes, I, and, and before you answer that question, mm -hmm. I know you're trying to avoid it. But, no, I'm not. Um, actually, I, I have a mental health disability. Okay. Um, and post-traumatic stress disorder. 
And I also have now age-related back issues. But that's not a primary disability, and I don't really think of it as one. Because it's, it's, uh, when you get into uh, all the corporate lingo, I, I do need an interpreter sometimes. So, yeah. but like, so I'm looking at your, all yeah. your qualifications online. It's like um, there's lived experience. And then, and, or Lisa has. Experiential knowledge. Experien- that's the other one. Lisa has experiential knowledge of disability, which is corporate speak for you. You have a. Well, no, it's so a little you bit live, more. You live with the, so live a live disability. And actually a friend of mine, Elizabeth Moeller, she's the one, we're going to actually be teaching a course together. George Brown, we've been asked to create a course, a certificate program for uh, disability in the workplace. So uh, Elizabeth and I were talking. And so you can have lived experience of a disability, but it doesn't mean anything other than you have, I've lived with this. It doesn't mean that you know how to coach or you have professional skills or you have an educational background in it. So experiential knowledge would be not only have I lived it, I have training in it, and I've worked in that field. So it's a lot more in-depth. So I often get people with disabilities coming up and saying, can I work with you? And it's like, yes, but you're not a trainer in this or you don't have a background in employment. So it's kind of trying to split the knowledge base of the two. So one is completely valid, lived experience. The other is indicating that there's some educational and work experience that backs that up as well. So you're at the Chamber, uh, Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. But what, what, so why would any person or business join a Chamber of Commerce? I, in my mind, it's it's for networking and things like that, right? Yeah. I, so you're an extra la- layer. You're a resource within the Chamber of Commerce. So then? the Chamber basically creates tools or you know policy papers that reflect what the businesses out there in Ontario are telling us. Right. But sometimes we create tools or programs to help address them. So we have a big trade program, right? right. Um, but we also create tools. So we just launched, for instance, a mental health toolkit. We're doing a whole series on climate right now and how so this that affects. Is, uh, these are services? Uh, for small business to help them flourish. To help the membership. Yep. Okay. And so what came up is about five years ago when I was with Sensibility, Louis De Palma, he often says we fought the first time we met. We did not, if anybody's <laughs> wondering, though we did have some charged discussions. Louis hired me to write the content for a website that they were creating. And for... Um, people with disabilities and and talking to business. So the whole idea was businesses in Ontario have a labor market shortage, can't find people to work, especially in smaller communities. So people with disabilities are underrepresented or, you know, underemployed or unemployed. So what about if we took people with disabilities who want to work and can't find it and connect it to businesses looking? And that just seemed like such a simple match. So the chamber created a tool It's a job matching platform, kind of like a non-searchable LinkedIn, where people with disabilities can safely disclose and be connected to businesses that are going, yeah, I think you having a disability is okay. In In fact, I see benefit to it. And there's a whole bunch of things I could bore you with, and if you went on and looked, but people with disabilities are actively as or more productive, have as good of or better attendance, work more safely, improve the overall culture, and they... To me, the really interesting piece is they drive innovation. They right. think of things differently. Is it even legal to ask that the question I asked no. you in a in a job interview? No. no, you can't even ask someone if they're married in a job no. interview. No, yeah, right? that's all protected or information. Exactly. Or no, anything, right? but what you could ask is, can you tell me how you're able to do the job? So you still need to be able to, hi- you know, 
do a job. So you might ask someone, do you require an accommodation to do this job? Which is basically basically signaling that somebody has a disability and right. they might need changes. So when I used to work at Communicate with you years ago, I actually found it quite overwhelming at times. And I don't know if you remember. I can remember quite a few times when I was doing a show. Now, we didn't do shows on site. We used to do these live events. But being quite overwhelmed and crawling into a washroom at 2 in the morning and crying under the sinks while I tried to get, you know, I was so overwhelmed. Just the pressure of the event. Yeah, the pressure. Because it's tomorrow. Exactly, the noise, everybody talking to you. And... Now, at the office, I'm also in an open concept. It's also a lot of pressure. But noise-canceling headsets changed my life. Right. My God, just to be able to filter out some right. of the, the world around me. And it's so simple. It's like, you know, I don't know, 100 bucks to buy a good pair. Right. But it changes your world. Or even being able to take regular breaks, for me, is really important. Because I do get overwhelmed by stimuli. So just knowing some of those things... and. I think if you'd asked me, Jim, when we worked together, I wouldn't have even said I had a disability. I knew that I had severe depression. I knew that I was treated for that, but I wouldn't have recognized that as a disability. I guess it was almost like before times. I mean, I, I'm, you know, that NHL stuff, the the, the sexual yeah. abuse, and then. I'm hearing uh, some of the people making excuses in these interviews, like, well, it was 2010. That was a different time. No, it was only 10, 10 years ago, and yeah. there was scandals in the in U.S. college football that were, and I had to look it up, and I go, well, that was nine years ago. Yep. And it was still, un- it was unacceptable, and, and it's just the, yeah, it's the culture think- of that. And it's, But and it's that it, workplace culture that exactly. it gradually changes. And we were in a culture that's... You know, um, it was definitely youth-oriented and busy. But I also think it wasn't a place that I, I don't think I... Yeah, I wouldn't have felt comfortable at Communicate Disclosing because I think it would have limited my career prospects. Well, everyone was young. It was probably your first big job, right? Yeah, it Like was most huge. people's big first big and, job. And, you know, we and... had tremendous... It, you, We were given, like, I remember uh, launching uh, a car out in BC and we were given like a million dollars to spend in like an afternoon. So a lot of responsibility. So you're not going to go to someone and say, Hey, by the way, I struggle with, (laughs) or, you know, it just wouldn't have occurred to me. People Um, just want the job done. And as well, I think that it's changed, particularly the piece around mental health is it's less stigmatized and it's talked about more. And even one of the biggest things I find when I train people about disability is a lot of people still don't consider mental health conditions a disability or addictions or mental, you know, or PTSD. It's just like, no, that's not a disability. And it's like, yes, it is actually. And if you do the research, which I have not done, but it's an enormous, a high percentage of people. 20% of Canadians will be diagnosed with a mental health condition in any given year. So that's a diagnosis. That's not like I'm sad. That's actually a medical diagnosis with, you know. Clinically depressed. Yeah. And then... um, you know, I think during COVID that that's much higher. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And then almost the other thing that's interesting is almost anyone who has a disability also has a mental health component to it because it's isolating and there's so many yes. barriers. So if you added that in, I think actually the number of people that might self-identify with a disability, which is 22% of Canadians, is actually probably much higher. 
So do you give lots of presentations with lots of uh, numbers, lots yeah. of pie charts, and uh, well, I and... actually prefer to tell stories to yes. tell you the truth because I think people don't remember what grade you got in grade twelve, but they remember stories, yes. and that's what you're doing here, yeah. right? People remember yeah. stories, so I actually have tried to bring people with disabilities on to tell their stories and how that can work because those things tend to stick more. So I did see a video that you were in. And so my next three questions are going to be questions that you asked in that video. Okay. Oh, boy. So uh, it's only fair, <laughs> I figure. So what are some of the challenges you've faced with your disability, and how has that changed your outlook in life? Oh, that's a, that's a mean one. Um, that's because yeah. you said it, <laughs> yeah. and you're a mean person, apparently. That's true. So what are some of the challenges? So I think, first of all, stigma. That would be the big one. Either fear of telling people, so not asking for what you need, um, or an inability to share the reality, the authenticity of what you're experiencing to be able to get to what you need. That's probably the biggest one. And then just coming to terms with it myself because it is stigmatized. So embracing that, owning it, talking about it, being comfortable with it. So is a lot of it in your own – you're just fighting your own demons? Yeah. Uh, Constantly, you're worried about. I mean, I would never have thought anything of you at the t back in the day. So, but obviously, you're very aware, and you're trying to navigate your work life, I guess, without. Yeah, work life, personal life. I mean, you know, I, I it it's hard to strip that out, right? Right. You especially back then, because you're a lot of your friends are people you might meet at work. Especially yeah, and you know, just the comments you hear sometimes, like it's like you're not going to say anything if you know people are making comments about you know, mental health. Yeah. So you're not, you know, going to do that. And I think for me, being account manager was a really great job. I learned a ton. But what a bad fit. It's a high pressure. Yeah, just too deadline. much it's pressure. It's a lot of deadlines. and It's not even the deadlines. So for me, deadlines aren't, pressure isn't really. It's high stakes deadlines. It's more the, the absolute cacophony of voices coming around you. So, you know, you've got your boss saying one thing, client saying another, your team saying another, and just having it all hit you at the same time. Um, so that was the difficult part for me, not the the on-site stuff. I love the pre preparation. I love the sales. I loved, you know, the organization. loved the deadlines. It was the actual on-site that probably wasn't a good fit for me. So question number two from, right. from you. Um, uh, what do you think is the biggest barrier you've faced in terms of finding a job, and has your disability affected that? So to be honest, I've never had a great deal of difficulty finding a job. Um, I have found limitations more to do with gender than disability. Um, so, you know, in terms of gender identity and just diversity, which is why I've been taking diversity courses lately, because I think there's that intersectionality that nobody talks about. So being a female with a disability is probably be more difficult than being a person with a disability or being a female. Does that make okay. sense? Sure. Um, I'll get a transcript of this later and try to <laughs> parse that. But okay. For now, yes, I get it. Um, question number three. What is your overall message to encourage job seekers with disabilities? So I think it's about telling stories. I think it's for any job seeker. You tell a story. 
right? We always start with resumes. I don't know why it bothers me in our profession. You know, what's your resume? What do you do? But I actually think we're telling stories, the story of us and what we want in our professional life. So it's not a personal story. It's a work story. If you focus on the story, what you put in the resume naturally flows out of that. What you're going to say in an interview is a natural extension. You're telling your story. So my story is someone who cares deeply with experiential knowledge of disability in helping people find work, connecting to employers, to job seekers. So it's about helping businesses tell better stories about themselves. We're open to everyone and helping job seekers tell better stories about themselves. I don't believe disability itself makes a good story. I think ability makes a good story and I just happen to have a disability. This is a weird question. Did you need to just to get your current position? They already knew who you were probably at this point. So it's not like, did you need to be disabled to get your current job, which is a weird question. No, it isn't. Um, Because I do tend to hire people with disabilities to work on my team now. Right. Um, So no, I did not. And actually when they first hired me to work at, when I worked at Sensibility, um, nobody knew I had a disability. I still hadn't disclosed. So they hired me to write because they knew that I worked in this field, trained people and had an educational background in it. Um, the, I really just started disclosing once I came to the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. There's Canadian legislation that oversees this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The Employment, Employment Equity Act, um, which requires big companies or any company to report it's on a, their diversity. Is that? Yeah, it's a federal legislation though. So right. only federally regulated companies need to uh, report. And so, so that banks, would be banks, telecoms, telcos. transportation. Yeah. Okay. So what's left after that then for you to to small edu- business all the small so mainly small businesses ninety percent of you know so everybody yeah ninety percent of people are employed by small businesses across Canada so. so a typical small business would be just focused on their own yeah business selling producing whatever they're doing going out and sell again right yep so they're not even paying attention to any of this no right? they aren't re- well you know I think small businessmen are some of the smartest and most cre- I ran my own small business for 25 years as we talked about right, right. so you're a master of everything right or you know Sales, pretty good at everything, everything. yeah yes. yeah exactly so you are focused on that so we've stepped in we give tools free training free tools free connecting to right. the individuals because we get that a lot of small businesses, for instance, might not have a human resources department to even deal with some of this. You were about to say master. Uh, so jack of all trades. Jack master, of all trades, master of none. You can't. Yeah. You, I don't think you can use the word master anymore, can you? I don't know. Can I not? Like master bedroom in real estate. You can't. Oh, yeah. There's uh, Okay. Come on, Lisa. I'm not up on all my diversity get, language, get, just disability. Get, <laughs> <laughs> I, anyway, I ran into a whole hornet's nest with that about a few months ago. You know what? That just happened, right? But language is so interesting and it's tricky, right? We all want to avoid it because it is changing. It's constantly evolving. But it does express our beliefs, right? Yes. And so well, it's fascinating. It it's is. Fascinating, yes. Like I think even I give a whole training on language. I did a session with KPMG. Um, for International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and they had 2,500 people on the call. And it was all about language. And do you say disability? It's got a DIS. A lot of people uncomfortable with that, right? Do we say diverse abilities, um, handy capable? (laughs) Um, You know, there's all these euphemisms. Instead, we torture ourselves with instead of just saying disability. I also think that we need to... um, 
So I, I like in, the intentional use of language in examining. So I'm going to be thinking about that master now because you've yes. told me that. It's everywhere. I know. No, it's true. It's everywhere. So you so. start rethinking what you're saying and, and what you're communicating when you actually say those things. So I don't like euphemisms. So like handicapable. What does right. that mean? I have diverse abilities. What does that mean? It's, I mean, seriously. Gibberish at a certain Yeah, it is. It so. is. It becomes those corporate slogans, corporate diff abilities. I mean, geez, torturous. So is your how do you see your role? Do you are you trying to change the narrative or 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 what's your overall purpose when you when I come to work every day? Or I just do, like doing things, so I can't say I have some right. grand plan. My boss Louis De Palma does. Um, yeah, we want to do systems change because I, I I think the system's broken. So if we look at the way that people with disabilities, the unemployment rate hasn't changed, remains stubbornly low. So what we've been doing in the past, this one-by-one charity model, hire me, I've got a disability, I need it, feel bad for me, it doesn't work. Because businesses are there to make money and they're struggling to make money. So we really need to teach people to see the values that they bring to a job and we need to teach businesses that people can bring different values to a job in a different way but still get the job done. So, uh, well, do you have advice for people who might be having trouble finding work? Oh, yeah. Um, so most jobs are found through networking. Um, we always talk about this 80% hidden job market. It's really true. For people with dis- so that's for everyone. For people with um, disabilities, get to know your story. It needs to be authentic. Okay. And then learn to frame it in a way that is positive. So I'll give you an example. I worked with this really great young man. He's neurodiverse. So meaning he has, usually that means he either has ADHD or autism. Okay. I've okay? never heard that phrase. Before. Yeah. It's okay. a new term to, right. t- to c- kind of cover learning disabilities, ADHD, attention deficit uh, disorder, and also um, autism. I'm just here to be educated. So yeah. yeah. Sorry. So. I know this is so down in the weeds. Anyway, so he is... Neurodiverse, and he couldn't, he was having trouble keeping a job. He was in college. And um, we got the opportunity to work together. And he, I don't even know how much he knew some of the changes that he needed to the workplace. But he explained to me that he sees the world differently than other people. Because he's not, he, he, he uses words and pictures. What a great story for a graphic designer. Now it's not about the disability or what I do differently. It's this, my disability, that's central part of me, allows me to understand the power of words and graphic images. And we took that to an employer and they ended up hiring him. He just let his work speak for itself. He actually showed his thought process. We didn't have this long interview about what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, tell me about yourself, because that's not his strength. Words, oral words, verbal words are not his strength. He got the job. He was just employee of the year this year. I mean, it changed his life, I think, changed the company's perspective on what, you know, not everybody has to look the same, be the same, talk the same, go to the same schools. People can bring different strengths. If people need help or advice, um, where do you recommend they look? Or what do you recommend they do? Well, if you have a disability, 
every Thursday at 1 o'clock on Eventbrite. You can look up Discoverability or OCC, and we give we have honest conversations about these topics. So resumes, informational interviews, how to construct a story, how to disclose. That's a big piece, right? How do you tell someone you have a disability, and should you? And if you do, what do you say, and how do you say it, and when do you say it? I mean, just think about all that. How do you figure out what you actually do differently? So we talked about, you know, for me, how this kind of evolved. I didn't know when I was in my 20s what I needed. I really didn't. I had no idea that, hey, in my corner of the office, you guys are in the quiet part, (laughs) you know, the other office, noise-canceling headsets would have made me so much happier. Maybe more breaks when I went on site to just say, everybody, take off for 10 minutes, let's come back. Um, those are such simple things and they would have made such a difference to, you know, the happiness and the fulfillment I felt in my job. So I think people figuring out what do we, what do I do differently and how do I ask for it can be life changing. So you can ask a career counselor, an accessibility specialist. There's a great online resource called SOAR, S-O-A-R. And it's called the Searchable Online Accommodations Resource. And you can search by disability, and it will tell you what are common accommodations, which is kind of, not kind of, it's very cool. So figuring out what you need and then constructing a story that shows it as an asset versus a deficit. So if people want to get in touch with you, assuming you want people to get in touch with you, (laughs) uh, how do they get, how do they reach you? So we have a website. Right. So you can go on there and you can sign up. And mostly everything that I've said today would be available free of charge on the website. So it's www.discoverability.network. So Lisa, thanks for coming. Thank you. I don't know how helpful, but it's always great to catch up with a friend. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment or if you want to be on the show, send me an email at connectionsvideopod at gmail.com. And please subscribe.